If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What is up? Welcome to Friday, December 11th edition of Roughing the Kicker, a daily Kansas City Chiefs podcast on arrowheadreport.com. I'm your host, Tucker Franklin, and today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Looking for the perfect gift this holiday season? Get the perfect package for your perfect package. Use promo code RTK at Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping on their perfect package 3.0. It's Friday, so that means we're going to be previewing the Chiefs' upcoming matchup. I've got Alan Pupark from AllDolphins.com on Sports Illustrated here with me. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Tucker? I can't complain. It's a Friday. So, uh, and we've got good weather in Kansas city too. Oddly enough, it's unseasonably warm here. So, uh, that always makes it a little bit better in December when you got a couple of days in the sixties. Uh, I mean, in Miami, you don't have to worry about that. Well, we actually got cold a little bit this week by cold. I mean, late forties overnight, but mm. yeah, high forties, I should say overnight, which down here is pr- practically freezing weather. So. <laughs> Right. So oh, hey, we sur- we survived. We we survived through it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that you guys did. Um, so we're going to talk about this Miami Dolphins Kansas City Chiefs matchup. We talked about it a little briefly before we started recording, and I think that this is going to be a, a good matchup. So we'll start with kind of the injury reports from this week. The Chiefs only had one guy get held from practice on. Uh, Thursday. It was Damian Wilson, linebacker, and that's going to be kind of a a big piece missing for the Chiefs. Could see Willie Gay a little bit more. That's what I've been calling for since the beginning of the season, really, is because Willie Gay is pretty athletic. I like to see him, and we could see him a little bit more because Damian Wilson was absent, did not practice all three days with a knee injury. So uh, that's interesting. But Tyreek Hill returned after dealing with an illness. So what are kind of the Dolphins dealing with injury-wise? Well, they have four guys who haven't practiced. Uh, Landon Roberts sustained a chest injury against the Bengals last Sunday. Uh, that was one of them. Guard Eric Flowers, their starting left guard, uh, sustained an ankle injury in the first quarter, didn't come back. Uh, and I'm going to forget the fourth for some reason here. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Savin Ahmed, their rookie running back from the University of Washington, uh, mm-hmm. has a shoulder injury. He missed the game against the Bengals. I'm looking promising for him to play on Sunday. And the last one, which could be a, a fairly significant one, is Kyle Van Noy, who has been dealing with a hip injury for a few weeks, uh, has been able to play through it, played well enough through it on Sunday to earn AFC Defensive Player of the Week honors after getting three sacks against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But now his status is up in the air for the game against the Chiefs. And obviously that's a big piece of the defensive uh, formation, the unit for the Dolphins that would be missing if you go. When we talk about this matchup, one of the first things that comes to my mind is the playoff implications really for both teams when it comes to to this matchup because the Chiefs pretty much have to win this game if they want to be in the hunt for the AFC number one seed with the Steelers losing to the Washington football team, but that was an NFC team, so it didn't really do anything for the Chiefs to stay in pursuit with uh, the Steelers. They have to win this game, and the Dolphins are fighting for wildcard spots too. So what do you think about the playoff implications uh, for the Dolphins in this? Oh, no, they're huge. And the thing with the Dolphins is they're eight and four, except they're, then the seven teams will make the playoffs. They currently hold the sixth spot in the AFC. 
except there are nine teams that are seven and five or better. So it's obviously quite the battle, as you know. I mean, KC being in mm -hmm. the AFC as well. Yeah. Um, and the problem is for the Dolphins is that their remaining schedule features nothing but teams with fi 500 or better record. Mm. And they're one of only three teams in the NFL in that situation. The only one of the teams involved in that playoff race in the AFC, they, after the Chiefs, they have the Patriots at home. And then they close out at Vegas and at Buffalo. So none of those are going to be easy matchups. And the other thing with the Dolphins is as much as anything else, to me, the game against the Chiefs is just a great game to see exactly where they are. I mean, we obviously know that they've made insane strides from last year. Mm -hmm. And to be at eight and four is ridiculous to, to think where, where they were at the beginning of 2019. The thing is, they had, they played the, the weakest schedule so far in the NFL yeah. in terms of the uh, opponent's combined winning percentage. And the last four teams they played are a combined 938 and one. Mm. So while they have looked good and won comfortably in those games, the last four, the, their last three wins are against your Chargers, uh, the Jets, and the Bengals. Yeah. Not quite the same type of competition as the Chiefs and the Patriots and the and the Raiders and the Bills. So, the the first thing you want to see is whether the Dolphins can consistently win against high quality teams from the AFC. And mm -hmm. if they manage to beat the Chiefs, well, guess what? They can beat anybody. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, not not only not only would they have established that, but then they'd be nine and four, and right. I would take almost pretty assured of a playoff spot. I don't want to say assured, but pretty pretty well on their way to a playoff spot. So it's a, it's a big game for, for them from that standpoint and from the standpoint of yeah. you know, establishing themselves as completely legit. So when you look into the game, there's several matchups, position-to-position matchups that I'm intrigued about. That first one being Patrick Mahomes versus this Dolphins secondary. Xavier Howard is picking off everything. He's, I think I saw a headline when I was looking up Xavier Howard sets it. It said, breaking news, Xavier Howard just picked off Christmas um, because he's been all over the field. He's been playing phenomenally. How do you think that this Chiefs uh, offense will react? Or I should, I should flip the question around. How do you think the Dolphins defense will react to Patrick Mahomes? homes in this offense well the, they have the secondary to do it because that's the strength of their team and make no yeah. there's zero doubt that's the strength of the Dolphins team is the secondary I mean they invested a lot in it they went out and signed Byron Jones in the offseason made him mm -hmm. the highest paid cornerback at the time he's since been surpassed but at the time he was the highest paid they went out and drafted Noah Benogany with their third of three first round picks to add even more depth at the position and and their two safeties are former cornerbacks so obviously those, those right. guys can cover. Now, obviously the Chiefs present a whole lot of problems because not only you have to deal with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman, oh, and you have the best tight end in the NFL and the Marcus Roberts, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't end. The one thing where the Dolphins are in a position to maybe be able to slow down the Chiefs better than some other teams is they have a, a safety who I think can do a decent job one-on-one -on -one against Kelsey and that's Eric Rowe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. who ironically enough was signed as a free agent last year, came over from the Patriots, started off at cornerback and really wasn't good in the first several weeks of the regular season. Then the Dolphins decided, you know what, let's move him to safety and boom. Mm. Since that time, basically assigned to the opposing tight end, done a great job. I mean, he held George Kittle to four catches for 44 yards on eight targets. Wow. I mean, and I understand I understand Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Beathard are not Patrick Mahomes, but still, that's still some good work right there. So that gives you hope. Tyreek Hill's a different problem because as good as Egan Howard is as a cornerback, as a I don't know that he's got the speed 
he'll just line up across from from Tyree Kill and and then you know shadow him the entire game. So I think this is one of those where they might rotate guys on him with safety yeah. help over the top as well. And we saw in the Tampa Bay game, you can't single cover him. Uh, you got to have some help over the top because Tyreek Hill uh, makes even the best cornerbacks look silly with his speed. And there's another matchup on the defensive side of the ball. And you and I have talked about this before is Emmanuel Ogba, old friend of the Kansas City Chiefs, playing very, very well. And the Chiefs have struggled with pass rushers from that good to great to elite level. And I would say Emmanuel Ogba has, has been a great pass rusher this year. How do you think he kind of disrupts this Chiefs offense? Well, it's him in combination with the blitzing that they do and the looks that they give mm-hmm. before the snap. What the Dolphins like to do, if they've got you in an obvious passing situation, is that they'll put seven guys at the line of scrimmage and then basically rush however many, however many they feel on that particular play. And knowing that they have the coverage in the back, in the back end to be able to do that if they want to send everybody. And there have been occasions where either Agba is left in a one-on-one matchup or there have been times like against the Rams, for example, the Rams for some reason thought it might be a good idea to just not block them. And Agba came in, came in free, popped Jared Goff from, from, the, from his right side. Goff, for some reason, never saw him. Fumble, Andrew Van Ginkle picks it up, goes 78 yards or whatever it was the other way for a touchdown. Uh, he was a little bit quiet the previous two weeks until the Bengals game last Sunday and he had five quarterback kicks mm-hmm. and he had another one. He was close to having a third sack strip return for, fumble return for a touchdown, except that one upon review was overturned to an incomplete pass, but mm-hmm. it was nice to see him get back into that groove again. But though we have to say the Bengals offensive line is right. Let's just say bad. So <laughs> obviously the chiefs are going to present different problems, but Agba is a key guy and has also their ability to disrupt offenses and confuse offenses with what they're doing up front. What do you think is going on in Miami that has made him have so much success? Because as Chiefs fans, we know that he hasn't, you know, been as successful as he is this year. Now it could be obviously with the injuries and stuff, he had a struggle kind of staying on the field in Kansas City. But what do you think it is in Miami that's really helped him succeed? Great athlete with a good skill set as a pass rusher, put in the perfect defensive scheme to take advantage of those skills you combine yeah. that and and he's been a godsend for that team because their pass rush last year was whew, bad mm-hmm. they, they, they not only was a low number of sacks they just net were not getting pressure at all and the whole offseason was like who's going to rush the passer they signed not only Agba but they signed Shaq Lawson the former first hunter from the Bills right. also as a free agent they, they drafted a couple of defensive linemen and the whole thing was yeah, we have confidence in the scheme, but we have confidence. We had confidence in the scheme last year, and still nobody produced a pass rusher. Who's going to do it? Well, it turned out it became Agba, who's now in line for a bigger. He signed a two-year deal. Now he's in line for a bigger, longer-term mm-hmm. extension at some point. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over forty and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. 
Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, excuse me. Sorry to interrupt today's show. I know it's a great one, but I've got something else great to talk to you about. Manscaped. Are you looking for the perfect gift for your partner this holiday season? We have the perfect package for his perfect package. The Perfect Package 3.0 by Manscaped is the number one recommended gift all year long. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0, which is the best men's below the belt grooming trimmer, which can also be used on any other part of the body. Hairy chest or back? Look no further. Hair down there? The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is designed to reduce cuts and make for a smooth trim. This 7,000 RPM trimmer has helped reduce manscaping accidents all around the world, and in addition, you'll find other liquid formulations inside the perfect package, like their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner and Reduced Chafing Boxer Briefs. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know your manhood is in good hands. Save 20% off plus free shipping with the code RTK at manscaped.com. Give your testies the besties with Manscaped. Now let's get back to the rest of today's show. Yeah, personally, I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he's found a place to uh, kind of flourish down there in Miami. And it's good to see him playing well. But it kind of hurts his Chiefs fans now when you look at their defensive line and you see they're not going to be able to get a pass rush because outside of uh, Frank Clark, who isn't really playing well in these past ever since the bye week, really, the last six games he hasn't played very well. Uh, to no passing, you know, hasn't been playing very well. And then you also have Justin Houston, who's on the Colts, uh, playing really well for the Colts. So it's kind of hard to see the Chiefs. And so let's let's transition into the the Dolphins offensive side of the ball here. Cause I think the biggest story surrounding the Dolphins this season is, is to attack of Iloa. Um, I want to know your opinion. Cause I'm curious about this. Do you think that they switched to Tua at the right time? Or do you think they pulled the trigger too soon? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble with that question. <laughs> um, Cause you, you, you say, you say anything remotely, not even remotely negative or questionable about Tua, and you, you, you yep. You make a lot of fans unhappy. Here, here's the deal. My thing is, when they made the switch, which came at the bye week, which was moved around, mind you, as a result of the reshuffling mm-hmm. of the NFL schedule, their bye was supposed to be November 22nd. It got moved up to, what was it, October 25th. The Dolphins were coming off a 26-point win against the 49ers, a 24 nothing win against the Jets. Fitzpatrick was playing great. Mm-hmm. They had now gotten to three and three. And at that time, I'm thinking, why are you making the move? Right. Um, and I understand. And, and, and again, the, 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 the thing is that it publicly it was said, this is the best thing for the team moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean for 2020 or does that mean moving forward for the long-term picture? Because mm-hmm. for me, for me, if this was strictly about 2020, how do you pull a quarterback who had thrown, mind you, I think he'd thrown three touchdown passes in either in each of those games also. Yeah. So how do you pull a quarterback who's done this and you've gotten to three and three if you're playing strictly for this year? Now, in the big picture type of thing where you spent the fifth overall pick on Tango Viola, 
just six months ago and you want to see what you have and you want to start a development. Okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's always been about mixing, trying to win in 2020, developing to a, and hopefully you get the best of both worlds. And the thing that's happened is their defense and special teams have been so good that they haven't not needed big numbers from Tua, basically not to mess up and turn yeah. the ball over too much. And he's done that very, very well. Now he's not putting up numbers like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow are. And at some point he may have to, and that point may come Sunday if the Dolphins can't yeah. slow down the Chiefs. That's interesting uh, because I did a podcast episode basically talking about Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I think we got a question in one of our mailbags of who we thought the better quarterback was. And I said, well, we haven't had a huge sample size from Tua. I think that's unfair to Tua Tagovailoa to say that Justin Herbert's better. But statistically, Justin Herbert has been playing very well. He does not look like the same quarterback he was at Oregon. And I got a lot of heat from Dolphins fans. Dolphins fans came and found it and said, hey, you can't get so wrong about Tua. You're so wrong. And I was just so confused because these Dolphins fans are very passionate about Tua. And I really respect that. I really do. Oh, they take it personally. Yeah, they do. It's like, no, and and I mean, I've gotten criticized all over the place like for, for defending Fitzpatrick <laughs> because now I'm called a Fitzpatrick lover because I questioned why he was pulled at the time because of the way he was playing. And then there was also a lot of a lot of criticism and complaining when Tua was pulled at Denver mm-hmm. when it was clear he didn't have it that day. Whatever Denver was doing was messing yeah. up with him. I mean, he was just bad. The offense was doing nothing. It wasn't just him. The offensive line was atrocious that day. and mm-hmm. But the offense was going nowhere with him. And lo and behold, they put in Fitzpatrick. And then, boom, the offense starts moving the ball. They get a field goal. Then, then they get themselves in position to tie the score. He throws a pick in the end zone that was directly into the arms of Devontae Parker, except that Justin Simmons undercut the play and made the pick. And, right. of course, the two defenders come back. Say, yep, see? It's Patrick. This is what you get. He's on. You know he's going to throw a pick. It's it's automatic. Tua would Tua wouldn't have done that. Well, guess what? Tua was in the game for three plus quarters. The offense did nothing. <laughs> Come on, right. it's like, and then, and that was a different case because the offense wasn't very good in the first half against the Bengals last Sunday. Mm-hmm. They were down seven to six, but it was different because you didn't. You, it it wasn't the sense that Tua just doesn't have it. Right. It was just things weren't, weren't totally clicking, but he didn't look off like he did against Denver. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know one of the writers asked Brian Flores after the game if there was any thought to switching to Fitzpatrick at halftime. I wasn't on board, and I made that very clear in one of my stories so people wouldn't go crazy yeah. on me. But no, I had no point. No, it wasn't me who asked that question because I didn't think they needed to remove him at all. And yeah. lo and behold, he played much better in the second half. He did. Yeah, so what do you think about uh, kind of Tua and this Dolphins offense now? With the Chiefs defense, they've been struggling really ever since their bye week. If you look at DVOA uh, per, for each game, they've had a worse DVO grade, DVOA grade each time. So how do you think the Dolphins can kind of take advantage of that? Well, here's the thing. is, is When I say we're going to find out about this Dolphins team on Sunday, it, it's all over the place. We're going to find out if their <laughs> defense can hang with a really, really good offense because they've had – how many really powerful offense have they faced? They faced Buffalo. It didn't work out well. They faced Seattle, who lit them up. Um, they did a great job against the Rams. Uh, the Chargers are kind of a different type of team. Are they good? Are they bad? But they, the Dolphins did a good number on them. Mm-hmm. But nothing like the Chiefs. So can they hang with the Chiefs? The defense against the Chiefs offense. And also, we're going to find out 
especially if the, the Chiefs score some points, whether the offense with Tongo Viola quarterback can be more than just, for lack of a better term, game managing. Right. Which and, and very, it was very interesting that Patrick Mahomes yesterday, in talking about Tua, praised him in saying that Tua is very smart about like managing the game and knowing mm -hmm. like what needs to be done, what what he shouldn't have to do. And that's a great point. Right. And the truth is, he's four and one as a starter, despite very pedestrian passing statistics because he hasn't had to do more. Right. Can they do more with to a quarterback? And the and the problem what you have with the Dolphin offense is Devontae Parker is a really good wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Mike Gesicki can make some catches, but his numbers go up and down. But the same to Kansas City often in terms of options for Tua, where Mahomes has one good receiver after another with speed after speed on top of speed. So the Dolphins, I'm, they're not necessarily built to win a 35-33 game or whatever the score might end up being if the Dolphin defense doesn't do the job. But I, I can tell you this. Knowing Dolphin fans the way I know Dolphin fans, if the Dolphins lose 41-38 and Tua throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns, that'll be cause for celebration. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Sorry, but then again, that also would be great because then you would know that he, he can light it up. He can he do it. Right. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um, as you mentioned, you know, this is a measuring stick game for, for really the Dolphins and, and kind of the Chiefs as well. But what do you anticipate the game plan to be for the Dolphins? <laughs> that's a, another thing about the Dolphins is, is they change week to week. Mm. And, and that's one of, the, one of the beauties and the brilliance of this coaching staff and how they got to 8-4 and four is, and it's very Belichickian, yeah. And I know the Dolphins want to be their own team, but they, they, a lot of things that they do will look a whole lot like what's going on in New England. And part of that is it's not one of those teams that's like, this is what we do best, and that's what we're going to do and come and beat it. It's basically like, okay, what do you do best? We're going to take that away. And mm -hmm. in looking back, the two times Brian Flores was defensive coordinator, even though he didn't have the title, but he was the de facto defensive coordinator in New England in 2018. Right. If you remember those two games in the regular season, the Chiefs had nine points at the half. Mm -hmm. In the AFC Championship game, they had no points at the half. Right. So obviously there was some figuring out. Now, of course, the Chiefs came back and scored 40 and <laughs> 31. So so it, it was like a half success. Yeah. I, so what their game plan is going to be, I think on offense, they'd ideally you'd like to – whenever you play the Chiefs, you'd like to be able to have the type of ground game that can control the ball for, mm -hmm. for a long time and put points on the board. I understand that. The problem yeah. is the Dolphins are not a very good rushing team. So that goes out the window. Offensively, what they do best is a lot of quick passing, rhythm stuff. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., the rookie from Kentucky last week, mm -hmm. showed up as somebody who could become a weapon. Wouldn't surprise me if he was a factor in this game. Defensively, I think they're going to do what they're going to do. I think they got to I think they're going to have Rarick Rowe and Tra Travis Kelsey. I think they're going to provide safety help for, uh, for Tyreek Hill, whoever's covering him. And whenever they can, they're going to come after Mahomes. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you got to do. So Alan, I appreciate you joining me on today's episode, but before, but before I let you go, uh, what's kind of your prediction for this game? Mm -hmm. You're going to have me do this, aren't you? I usually don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't finalize my prediction until Saturday. Fair enough. But uh, 
Look, the, tr- the truth is, again, the Dolphins are a great story going from 5-11 and 11 to 8-4 and four right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's a, it's a Super Bowl-level type of team yet. Right. If they win, sun- if they win Sunday, I'm going to be full-on on board uh, as them being a major contender. I don't think they're quite there yet, so I, I, I have to think they wind up losing this game. All right. I think so too. I just think with the chiefs with their momentum right now and, and the implications that follow this game as well with the chiefs knowing that they have to win this game to stick with the Steelers uh, in terms of the wild card, and especially with the Steelers playing the bills. I think that's going to be another thing to uh, that game. If the, if the chiefs win and then the Steelers lose on Sunday night, the chiefs get the number one seed. So I think that's going to be a big motivating factor for the chiefs moving forward. So Alan, I appreciate you joining me in preview in this episode. Uh, we don't, we probably won't uh, talk to you again unless uh, they end up getting the wild card game against the Chiefs. Oh, I'd sign up for that right now. That would would work for me. (laughs) All right. So hopefully that's what happens. Dolphins, Chiefs, and I get to talk to you again, Alan. Once again, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, This has been an episode of Roughing the Kicker on ArrowheadReport.com. We'll be back on Monday with a recap of the Chiefs and Dolphins game. And until then, I'll talk to you on Monday. The Roughing the Kicker Chiefs podcast is a daily Kansas City Chiefs podcast brought to you by Almost Entirely LLC in association with ArrowheadReport.com. Roughing the Kicker is hosted and produced by Tucker Franklin, executive produced by Joshua Briscoe, and is available on ArrowheadReport.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Chiefs coverage, visit ArrowheadReport.com and follow at SI Chiefs, at Tucker D. Franklin, and at JB Briscoe on Twitter. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.